Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession, where medical services professionals and industry experts contribute their voices about popular topics, including the impacts of artificial intelligence, MSP core competencies, department advocacy, leadership, and more. I'm your host, Lauren Leacoris, content editor for NAMS. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Molly Giamarco, Senior Government Relations Manager for NAMS, about her position, the new hospital toolkit series, and the recent roundtable that was hosted on September 9th. So we'll start off nice and easy. You can just go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Molly Giamarco. I am the Senior Manager for NAMS Policy and Government Relations. Excellent. And Molly, thank you so much for being part of this episode of the Tomorrow's MSP podcast. Thank you for having me. So to start us off, how long have you served as the Senior Government Relations Manager for NAMS? I am coming up on six years almost, and that seems like time has really gone by fast. It's been a very great full six years, for sure. Every year gets more and more interesting so hard to measure time anymore. I feel like, especially with (laughs) last year, I feel like the last year has been six months and 10 years all at once. I just have no idea anymore what year it is. That has something to do with it. Yes. (laughs) So what is the most rewarding part about your position with the NAMS advocacy team? Gosh, there are a lot of things. Um, I love working with volunteers. Like MSPs out there, you are, you're amazing subject matter expertise. You know, much more than I think you get credit for, but also you do get a lot of great credit, which is great to see. I think that's probably the rewarding part right there is seeing that recognition and seeing NAMS itself establish, be established as a thought leader and not only want to take a position at the the so-called table, if you will, but also be invited to weigh in, to be invited to other multi-stakeholder initiatives to help establish, influence, develop policy strategy to collaborate with, with other groups that, you know, in my time with NAMS, the uptick, it's been amazing. And that's, that's really rewarding. And part of what I do in providing NAMS advocacy and and government relations support is to develop and maintain stakeholder partnerships. And so like, when I say that, it means, you know, reaching out and working on projects and discussing strategy and thinking through processes with groups like FSMB. ACGME, ABMS, the AMA, OMSS, the AHA, as well as some, you know, the accrediting bodies, we all know, Joint Commission, DNV, URAC, payers, regulatory bodies, you know, there's CMS, of course, which we all know very well, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, but also there's the National Practitioner Data Bank, which is actually under the umbrella of U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So our reach is, is pretty far and we work very closely with a lot of these groups and those are just, you know, the federal groups, but, you know, on the state level too, we are, we're very involved. So that part's, that's great. Like our reach is broadening. All of these groups recognize MSPs, you know, unique and in significant role, both in the tasks you do every day, onboarding practitioners, ensuring comp- practitioner competence. All the while protecting patient safety, which is, you know, huge. You are, as they say, the gatekeepers of patient safety. And I think all of these groups know that. And I think they also know just how much you know in terms of what should be the ideal way going forward. And that, you know, you do have a lot of burden on you because you have that that responsibility of ensuring patient safety, but you also have a lot of redundancies and inefficiencies in the tasks you do every day. And you know there's a probably a better way out there. It's just 
it's, you know, the, the tedious part is coming up with that and establishing that, that pathway forward and then realizing it. And, you know, every health system's a little different. Everyone's on a different level, has different needs, has different resources. Uh, so it's really hard sometimes to figure out a pathway for everyone, but that's what makes this job so interesting. And it's also, you know, I come from the policy and the advocacy and the government relations perspective, but I could not do this work without the subject matter expertise of MSPs and just their willingness to volunteer time. It's, it's impressive. It impresses me every day. Absolutely. And Molly, I want to shift gears just a little bit to mm-hmm. the new hospital toolkit. So yes, can you speak to the new hospital toolkit series and the overall purpose that it serves? Yes, I'm, I'm really excited about this. So the new hospital toolkit is the second installment of the NAMS hospital toolkit series. So take a step back and first tell you a little bit about this series. We launched it in 2020 with our hospital closure toolkit. And this was to, this was kind of in recognition of the fact that we saw a lot of hospitals closing and there was a question of what happens with that practitioner affiliation data when a hospital closes. And the thing is, there is no, you know, there are state rules and regulations. There's, you know, some federal guidance, but what does an MSP do? What is the role of the MSP in a position when a hospital closes? And sometimes these closures happen very fast. And so we developed this toolkit to provide guidance to MSPs experiencing closure and equip them with resources, talking points, the know-how maybe to, to engage leadership and to ensure that the integrity of that data is, is collected, maintained, stored well after and accessible to other hospitals well after that hospital closes. And MSPs know the intricacies of medical staff service offices but also hospital bylaws, governing body, you know, it's, it's, it's extensive. So they play a very, you all play a very significant role in, in the event of a hospital closure, but also other huge disruptive systematic hospital changes. So, you know, we launched the closure toolkit and quickly realized there were so many other toolkits we could do. So this year, probably May, I believe we launched, I'm sorry, not May, it was August, time flies. We launched the new hospital toolkit, which is the exact opposite. It's when a new hospital is being built, developed, put together, this toolkit helps MSPs play leadership roles in that development of the new hospital. So that's that's talking about establishing bylaws, setting up medical staff office, identifying and contracting the, the software that you'll need for credentialing. All of those things are in this toolkit. And so that's what this one does. And, you know, when we got started on the series we have a lot of ideas. So we have we have more ideas coming. We have a hospital merger acquisition toolkit coming that you'll see toward the end of the year. But all of these have one central theme, and it's that we're recognizing that MSPs, they have a lot of different hats. But these, when, when things like closure or an opening or a merger acquisition happens, it's a, it's a systematic disruption. But it also is a huge opportunity for MSPs because you are subject matter experts that not a lot of other personnel have. So you play a very unique, specific role in this, and you have opportunity both to show leadership, but also to work with the leaders of your hospital and making sure that the hospital, whatever the result is, whatever's happening is set up for success. So ultimately, other MSPs who who are onboarded or who are doing the work that you're setting up for are set up for success and can do the work well. And ultimately, as, as our goal is always to ensure patient safety. So and I, I would like to say, I'm going to step back, because I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge a very special person, Diane Meldy, who is the NAMS Government Relations and Stakeholder Outreach Liaison. So Diane and I work very closely together, 
and her expertise and visions is why this toolkit exists, this series. And she's she's been through all of these types of scenarios. Um, she's very knowledgeable when it comes to MSP, their work, their perspectives. She also knows a lot about hospitals. So she's so instrumental in all of these resources. And so, Dan, thank you if you're out there because these would not exist for the membership without you. Like what you hear on the Tomorrow's MSP podcast? Visit namsgateway.org to catch up on more content and insights from medical services professionals and industry experts. Molly, I know you talked about this a little bit, but can you speak to how MSPs can specifically leverage the toolkit to help themselves grow in their career and continue to evolve? Yes. And this is, I think, the exciting part about this toolkit series is that, yes, we're talking about a disruption, a closure of a hospital, a merger and acquisition where an MSP's job or the daily life is going to be significantly altered. And that is that can be traumatic. That can be disruptive. It may not be what that outcome, you know, that's not maybe what you were expecting to have happen. But, you know, these things do happen, but they also generate opportunities. So MSPs here have leadership opportunities when these types of things happen, because someone needs to, like I said earlier, help set up a medical staff or help close it down and help preserve that practitioner data or set up a system so that that practitioner affiliation data is collected and stored and it works. And so when a hospital does officially open its doors, you know, that that is all in place. And it's because of an MSP who really took initiative and had a good rapport, established a good rapport with hospital leadership, established that trust, but also showed hospital leadership that, hey, these MSPs, we, this is our wheelhouse. We know what we're doing here. We know what needs to happen. So bring us on board, consult with us, talk us through this, have us help you. And I think those are huge, huge opportunities for MSPs to grow in their roles of not only being the gatekeepers of patient safety, but developing systems that work well with resources that you have for onboarding practitioners, credentialing them, assessing them, privileging, all of those things, those all require a systematic vision. And that's what MSPs have. And so I think MSPs can step in and take action quickly in in the events of these types of hospital changes, disruptions, new beginnings. And really, if you establish yourself as a leader for these types of things, you will be looked upon in future events and future ideas and discussions by the hospital. And so this is a good way in terms of aligning with tomorrow's MSP, the stepping in, the stepping up, working to the tops of your scope, embracing new technologies, new ways, you know, the healthcare landscape is evolving very rapidly. It was before the pandemic. It certainly is more because of the pandemic. And so here hospitals, what they're going to look like, what they look like five years ago versus 10 years ago versus tomorrow, or it's going to change. Things are changing and MSPs, you know, they're going to change right along with them. And part of this toolkit series and part of what NAMS is doing with tomorrow's MSP is to equip MSPs with the ability to change with the, the landscape, but also have, a, have an influence and a, a, a hand in that change so that MSPs are part of that leadership they have that expertise, they're looked upon, they're consulted. It's a really big part of what MSPs can do. You all have the potential, you know more than you, I think you realize. There's a lot of nitty gritty details when it comes to setting up bylaws and running a medical staff 
office, the MSDs know pretty well. And I think a lot of other groups really just want to delegate that to another group. And that's, that's the MSP. So, you know, I think part of tomorrow's MSP and hopefully with this toolkit is that it increases MSP's awareness of their own skills and abilities, you know, equips them with what they need to take on leadership positions within hospitals to influence effective change. There's a lot of growth opportunities out there for MSPs, especially as, you know, healthcare, no matter how hospitals look, healthcare is not going away. There's a need for healthcare always. There's always going to be a need for MSPs. We just need to kind of have to evolve with how the landscape is changing. And that's what NAMS is doing. NAMS is working very hard to support MSPs every step of the way. Absolutely. And NAMS actually just hosted a roundtable discussion on September 9th. Can you speak to what was discussed and what action is to come from this discussion? Yeah, I'd be happy to. This was, yeah, we were coming off of one of our big events of the year, which is the NAMS uh, roundtable. This is our seventh roundtable that we've held, this time virtually for the first time via Zoom. So that was a big feat in and of itself. Usually we are in the same room with everyone. Everyone flies into Washington, D.C. We hold this, this roundtable discussion, but this time it was all on Zoom. But I think by now, most, most everyone is used to a Zoom meeting. So that, that's a little helpful. But, you know, as background, NAMS roundtables, they bring together thought leaders and stakeholders in hospital management and credentialing. So attendees include some of the stakeholders I mentioned earlier, ABMS, AC, GME, the American Hospital Association is there. Of course, the AMA, OMSS. MGMA, CMS, Joint Commission, you know, DNV is usually there, ACHC, which is formerly HFAP, again, National Practitioner Data Bank, FSMB, we have so many great groups there, and they all come together because, again, as I said at the beginning, NAMS is seen as a thought leader, and we're invited to the table, but we also, others come to our table to discuss things, and that's exactly what this roundtable does every year. And so usually what we do, and we have a very specific topic that we determine for the year, and it oftentimes it depends on the needs or like a problem or pain point that we've identified, it can be kind of broad, big picture, but it also can be very, very specific. And so in 2014, which is our first year we hosted the roundtable, we wanted feedback or at least to get awareness of the ideal credentialing standards that NAMS created back in 2013, 2014, which is 13 essential data elements for primary source verification. And all of our work to improve uh, the credentialing process with, with practitioners NAMS recognized the best way to do it was to first establish standards and to get everyone on the same page, the same level, so that these standards were, A, evidence-based, they were effective, they were applicable to all types of hospital systems, so that any MSP could use this, these data elements as guidance for what they needed, um, for what the primary source verifications looked like in the process for verifying. And so... We had a really great um, turnout for the 2014 roundtable and generated a lot of good discussion. And I think we, very quickly on, there were, we identified a lot of other topics that we knew we, the same group or similar groups could come together over the course of you know yearly to discuss them. So shortly after, we you know we made this an annual event. So in subsequent roundtables, we've we've put together essential common data elements for payer credentialing. It's also obviously another pain point positive disruptions to improve aspects of the credentialing process. So again, like what disrupts, what needs to change for this, for the credentialing process to improve and where, what's MSP's roles and, and other, other stakeholder groups. Now, you know, upon that theme of positive disruption, what can we do to change for the better? And so for instance, we had out of, out of some of these roundtables, we've had really great tools that come out. So the VGMET form, 
which is verification of medical education and training. That's a one-stop shop form for every practitioner. You can send it to the program director. That person verifies that this an individual attended completed training. It's a one form, sends it back. It's in the practitioner's profile or file, I'm sorry, for the remainder of that person's career, all with just one form. So you do not have to continuously go back and forth to re-verify that same data, static data. We've done discussions on the technology that's out there. One year, we did an introduction to blockchain and open exchange data. We talked about digital credentialing one year. So we held a roundtable in uh, 2019 on credentialing for tomorrow to align with the theme of tomorrow's MSP. What does credentialing look like for tomorrow and how, how do MSPs make it happen? How do they fit into that? What needs to happen? And obviously in 2020, you know, we took a break due to COVID and just the unpredictability of the year. But, you know, we certainly got right back into it in 2021. And this year we returned to hosting our roundtable on considerations for revising the practitioner reappointment schedule and enhancing continuous monitoring. So as you, as you all know, if many systems, especially those who are accredited by the Joint Commission, you're on a two-year reappointment cycle. And we know that reappointment, you know, that takes about half a year for each practitioner. So in two years, you are, it's almost continuous because it's every year and a half, you are starting that reappointment process over. And if you have several practitioners who are on the same schedule or slightly different, it feels like it's just a continuous process. At the same time, you're doing continuous monitoring, which is supposed to happen on a continuous process. So there's only so much bandwidth an MSP has. And the question that we asked attendees and put forward was, is there a way we can extend practitioner reappointment and enhance continuous monitoring so that that reappointment schedule, so the MSPs can really focus more on that continuous monitoring, all the while perform that reappointment you know, every three years rather than two, so that same thing, you are, you are assessing the privileging and taking a look at that, but also this continuous monitoring, if something needs to be addressed, it can be done, it's caught, it's identified, it's worked through, but it's able to be done in present time rather than waiting for a number of months or even over a year, which can be pretty risky and dangerous even to patients, of course. We know that there are redundancies in reappointment and monitoring. There are, there's an overlap. You are doing some of the same checks for each of these very specific and distinct assessments. And so this year's discussion centered around ways that we could, you know, what's, what's the appetite for moving to three-year reappointment schedule? What's the appetite for standardizing and enhancing continuous monitoring? How can we get those who are not maybe performing continuous monitoring very well? How can we help those systems? And what, what, what resources are out there? What education needs to be had? How do we take advantage of new and existing technology solutions? What can be applied in here? So the discussion was very interesting. It generated a lot of good ideas. And there is momentum for moving forward. As you all know, CMS does recommend every 24 months the reappointment process. But, you know, I think that that's, that's a recommendation. And I know a lot of accrediting groups and hospitals look to CMS for that, as well as states. But, you know, maybe, it, you know, it's time for a broader discussion. And CMS was at the table. We, we talked about it. We talked about the need or the reasoning behind 24 months. And I think also, you know, there's just, you know, everyone recognized that there's a changing healthcare landscape right now. Hospital needs, hospital burdens right now. You know, those burdens existed obviously before the pandemic, but you know, they're being exasperated now. You know, what is the aftermath of the pandemic? Will things ever look the same? And I think the answer is no. But so the, some of these conversations we're having with 
these, these stakeholder groups are really important and they're happening at a really good time. Perfect. And Molly, my last question for you is, in what ways can MSPs continue to evolve with the help of the NAMS advocacy team? Yeah, I love this question. Um, it's a great one because, you know, as I said before, we can't, I, as an advocacy, a person who is, does policy and advocacy in government relations in healthcare, I can't do it without the expertise of those who are on the ground seeing this, doing this day in and day out, year in, year out, who really know their stuff. Uh, and so first of all, all of these resources that NAMS develops, it's, it's with the help of the volunteers out there. And so first of all, that's a plug. If you'd like to get involved with NAMS, especially our advocacy efforts, please let me know, send me an email. I love, we'd love to use your, your input, your contributions, your ideas. We have a really great work group of volunteers, but of course, you know, we'd love to get, you know, more, more perspectives. But for MSPs, there's just so many opportunities. They're becoming more apparent too, as, as like I said, the landscape is changing, it's evolving, it's becoming more strained. You know, we can devote a whole episode to COVID, I'm sure. The 1135 waivers, the urgencies that many of you felt and saw when you needed to onboard practitioners, especially during the peaks of the pandemic, which I know many of you are still going through. You know, also while doing it remotely, you know, a lot of MSPs are, are at the hospital right now. You know, and you're, you're forging a path forward there for remote work and how that affects you. Those are, those are all big things that advocacy, you know, we have our ears on the ground. We're also looking at CMS. We're looking to see what waivers are applicable, what work, what, you know, how can we help equip you with facing or at least thriving in this landscape that's, that's happening, moving and changing as we see it. But then there's also a, a lot of other emerging Topics like telehealth, for instance, that's a huge one. I mean, that's dramatically changed the game for many institutions, um, not only because it enables so much more access to care, but it's it's a specific type of care. You can only do so much with telehealth, but you can do so much more with it. But also what, it, you know, from the MSP stance, that's also a lot more practitioners on the MSPs need to credential to assess, to, to maintain and to, to keep track of. And so actually a few years back, and this is just in time for the pandemic, if, if there's ever an appropriate way to say that, NAMS partnered with the American Telehealth Association to develop what we call the Credentialing by Proxy Guidebook. And this also is on our website. So feel free to take a look, download it. This is a really great resource. It took about a year and a half to create. It was very thoughtfully put together. You know, we had a legal team working on this as well. We had the experts from the telehealth viewpoint. We had the MSPs involved. But this handbook or this guidebook provides step-by-step guidance for hospitals and obviously MSPs to credential practitioners who are providing this telehealth services who maybe physically aren't in your hospital by proxy. And it cuts down on a lot of work, but also it ensures that you're clicking all the boxes to ensure competency and um, the appropriate onboarding steps. NAMS Advocacy is also working on engaging with stakeholder groups to identify um, or establish technology standards for credentialing. Digital credentialing is, it's here. It's, we're still getting to know it. It's still getting to know us, I think, but it's, it's critical to, for NAMS and other groups to help inform these standards as they emerge and evolve. And so that we ensure that they're appropriate, they're fitting, they're accurate, they're attainable and sustainable for all health systems. And that's, I think, always a critical challenge is that some of you are critical access. Some of you are in the middle of the city some of you are under-resourced. Some of you have what you need, but a standard is really something that can apply to all of those needs and fit everyone while not lowering the bar or not raising the bar so high that systems can't reach it. So that's a challenge and that's something we need to be really thoughtful about. 
And of course, open standard, open source technologies, anything that's created here, we want to make sure it's accessible to all. And that's really important because, you know, it also takes a lot of investment money that goes into this. And it's hard sometimes to ensure that open standard that happens because that obviously means someone's not getting royalties or making a profit on something, et cetera, that it's accessible to all. So that takes a lot of collaboration and discussion among vendors and software developers and, and stakeholder groups too. So NAMS is a part of all of that. We know that, you know, it's this technology stuff is, is kind of difficult to wrap one's head around, but this technology is happening and it's in everyone's interest, especially MSPs, to ensure that it works. It doesn't result in, in silos like we've seen with EHRs. Uh, and then it's something that actually benefits the MSP. And that's that's kind of one of our goals always is, you know, this change is happening. How do we stay on top of it? How do we influence it? And how do we get our MSPs, how do we equip them to be leaders in all of this? And, and that's that's the challenge, but it's also really exciting because it's happening. And that's that's a great part about you know, the rewarding parts of doing advocacy for NAMS, for sure. Excellent. Well, Molly, thank you so much for being part of this episode of the Tomorrow's MSP podcast. I can't wait to share this with our MSP community, and we so appreciate all of your insights. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's great to be here. NAM's 45th Educational Conference and Exhibition will be held virtually from October 18th to the 21st. This year's theme, Unlocking Your Potential, The Future of the MSP Is Now, will dive into the ever-evolving world of healthcare. Earn NAMS CE credits and get exclusive access to educational sessions and grow your professional network by connecting with fellow MSPs and esteemed presenters. Be sure to register today. I'd like to extend a special thanks to Molly Giamarco for being part of this important episode. Thank you for listening to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in to the next episode to stay up to date on the latest news and insights. Read more in-depth articles on trending topics by visiting us at namsgateway.org. Until next time.